It has been two years since the trade galaxy was shaken to its core by the actions of a single, mismatched, multi-species crew. Whatever you think of the heroes of Yentao, also known as the Space Squad, one thing is certain. All eyes are watching for whatever they do next. Tali takes a very long swig from her bubble tea and then just goes, there are two routes. That same holographic map of Naponi and its surrounding topography is still up, showing the kind of descending flanks of the volcano. She points to the south of the city, to where the flank of the volcano drops away into like a very deep like plateau. And she says, this until recently was the usual way of getting there. It takes you down through the Zubanir Residential Reef and Keikipuri, which is the biggest... I mean, you guys would know about Keikipuri. It's like the... It's basically like the biggest... It's like Soho. It's like a really big entertainment district. She goes, um... The other way down is Rukia's Gap. And she points to the east to another volcano, this one's subsurface. And she says... Until recently, this was the bad way of getting into the Twilight Zone. The whole thing is unstable and has frequent earthquakes and is a good good way to die young, but it has no Sholas. Whereas uh, the residential reef might have some new residents. So it's natural disasters versus living disasters. I assume we're going to be probably fighting this big monster, this big fire monster when we get there. Even if we don't kill it, there's probably going to be some kind of skirmish, so to speak. Yes, I think it might be simpler just to to risk the environmental hazards and minimise actual fighting. If we end up fighting people, there's the risk that they work out what what we're doing. And there's few people knowing about... And Lorelei lifts up her right hand and points at the trident on her hand about this bullshit as possible is probably for the best. Agreed. Faraday, any opinion either way? I think natural disasters is probably better. Brilliant. I so do love a lava tube. As promised, I do indeed have a submarine license. I also have a submarine. It will be a bit of a squeeze, but I wouldn't trust a higher boat. Are you all ready? Corell reaches into their bag. I, I have something of, of, of yours. I probably feel like I should return, actually. What? Goes into their bag and pulls out uh, a collapsible staff, which they took off Tali during at the end of their last fight. Oh my god. Oh my god, I thought I was the hoarder. Corell's got a, a, a fun bag of tricks, too. Tali sucks in a sharp breath. Lorelei, I'm not even going to make you roll. It is 100% a Carusian staff. Same make as your own. Probably made by the same person that you both probably knew. Is it one that I've seen her with before? Yes. Okay. She sucks in a sharp breath and says, and what do you want in exchange? Nothing. Just like since we're working together, it, it just seemed like a show of good faith. Lorelei looks at Corel and nods like, Correct answer. <laughs> Charlie looks uncomfortable for a second and then she kind of takes it from you. I sort of put it towards the hand where 
her symbol is. And I'm not going to outright use my power here, but Corel wants to see if their power could be used on a symbol and, and if they feel like they could get some information out of a symbol if they put use their power on it. Ooh. Okay. Right, okay. You pass the staff to that hand of Tali's and... I think for a moment in the dark room, you feel your own markings, like kind of not flash, but glimmer a little bit, like just a wink, just a wash. There's like a prickle all along your spine of like a feeling that you could almost fall into something. Is it something I remember falling into before? No, but it almost feels like your power wants to reach out to hers. All right. I had started, I pull my hand back, perhaps a, a, a fraction quicker than I mean to. The feeling fades. And I just walk, walk back. Uh, should we tell the person guarding our ship what we're doing? Uh, can I just say, as Corel goes to walk away, Tali kind of is holding the staff and she fidgets with it. And then she says, I don't like owing people things. So if we're talking a show of good faith... And she just sighs and then she takes the brisk bracelet off of her left wrist and suddenly she doesn't have her golden horns anymore. <gasps> and she looks tired like she did the moment you saw her, but in a kind of more bruised way. When Lorelei sees that, she like actively flinches, but not like away in place, like muscles tense. And she kind of looks down at her feet and then puts it back on again and says, Yes, well, I'm ready to depart if you all are. Uh, did you say something about... Uh, yeah, we should probably tell the person guarding our ship what we're doing. Because I think we just said we were just going to be kind of going out. They probably want to know if we're going on a deadly submarine adventure. Faraday, you are closest with them. Tali just kind of rolls her eyes. I get my phone out and I'm like... Oh, yeah, I mean, we're already in, like, um, this heated debate about Luella's latest single, so um, I'll just drop that in next to this gif. There we go. Tali turns away and marches to that doorway with the porthole on the front of it, and then she kind of grabs onto the circular wheel and, grunting, manages to, like, turn it and unwind it until, the like, this hatch, like, doorway makes this hissing noise and then swings open and then she climbs through. It's quite a tight, it's quite a tight fees for, uh, fit for most of you, I will say. Beyond that little hatch is a dock, completely hidden within the Blue Palace, with um, black water lapping at the edge of its stone rim. And sitting in the dock, bobbing gently, is a submarine, a small craft with a bulbous glass sphere at like the front and center of a half moon shaped body. Um, you can see like enclosed propellers on its back and in its wing, like a rack of enormous lamps beneath the dome and an imposing like silver harpoon launcher jutting from its belly. And on the back of it, you can see some kind of hard suit like embedded there with a protrusion on its shoulder that looks like it might be a weapon launcher. Is there a name on the side? Yeah, there is. Tali immediately, like, moves as if to obscure it. <laughs> Perception check. Perception Go. check. Go. I got a 16. 32. 
Tali does a very good job of trying to obscure this slurp. So I think you make out an M. Lorelei, the submarine's name is Moth. Lorelei puts her hood up. So she's totally over her. She's <laughs> totally over totally. her, Totally. Tali goes up to the side of the submarine where there's like a ladder of rungs going up to a hatch on the top and she presses it, like opens up a panel and taps into it and then that hatch swings up and opens and she climbs inside. I follow. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Hey, you all climb in board. The submarine has a very, very tight little back galley space, which at the very rear of it, you can kind of see into the, you can see like another hatch, which presumably you can crawl into that hard suit and deploy it from. The galley, like the little central space itself also leads forwards into that glass sphere. And in the glass sphere at the very center of it, is a kind of like a mounted spinny chair with like controls on the arms and all around the sides of the, and the back of that sphere are chair like little jump seats mounted on this on the glass itself with little lap belts and Tully's like already in the pilot seat in the middle in the middle how long do we think this is going to take without looking at you Tully says depends on whether we get fucked over best case scenario best case scenario Six hours. I guess we'll have to find something to pass the time. Lorelei detracts her staff and sits down. Tali looks round at you all. Corral, the jump seats don't work for your body type. I'm used to it. I can stand. What a comfortable experience this I... is for everyone involved. I can fold myself up. Well, so can I to an extent. Schlub, <laughs> like, inhumanly curls themselves up into a ball. It looks, it looks really bad. <laughs> Someone can have my seat. Tali looks at you and just goes, charming. <laughs> he hates you so much. <laughs> I wiggle over to a corner. <laughs> oh, God. Schlapp, there's enough seats for all of us. I don't understand why you're doing this. <laughs> Thought it would help Corral. <laughs> you're actually making me more uncomfortable. <laughs> Schlapp, please, un- unfurl yourself. Come join us. <laughs> Unfurl yourself. Come join us in the seats, okay? I, I demorph ball. Oh, God. Ugh. Tully deploys the submarine. <laughs> well, whilst Schlepp is halfway through. Yes. I, definitely, I definitely fall over during Please that. tell me it's not like the cover of those Animorphs books where it's like... <laughs> no, it's more like uh, Metroid. Oh. Or like Transformers. <laughs> it's like Transformers, yes. It looks bad. I was kind of thinking the Bionicle with, which, with the monsters that t- sort of folded up and then... Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh the Borok. Yes, Borok. You splash down into dark water and then begin to, and then be, set out on your journey. Tali turns the submarine around and then directs you along the channel, uh, sticking out from this dock. You kind of proceed for several minutes in semi-darkness along some kind of hidden passageway that presumably is taking you out of Napoleon and into the greater sea beyond. Um, after about ten minutes, a bright point of light opens up ahead of you as a hatch raises up and then suddenly the entire submarine is dropping down a 20-foot plunge and into the ocean beyond. Tali is completely silent throughout this whole thing. It's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable silence. (laughs) So who's got sea legs? Any of us? You can make constitution saving throws. Big old ten. I got a natural one for a total of two. Oh, Corral. Oh, no, honey. Lorelei got an eight. Nine. Sixteen. 
Faraday, Lorelei, you feel wretched. Corel, you literally vomit. Tali just stares straight ahead <laughs> at the now marred glass dome and then just goes, well, I'm not cleaning that up. I press the digitated away. I really hate the water. Tali directs the submarine east. The bright star of this system, Ranakir, is glowing fiercely above you as you head out into the open water. There is nothing around you. This planet, with the exception of Naponi, is a water world. And it feels almost lifeless as you head on and on and on into the emptiness. But then Tali pushes forwards on the controls and noses a submarine down. And the second you submerge properly, it's like the whole world comes to life. There are suddenly thousands of fish flashing all around you. There are ribbons of green plant life drifting in the, in the water. There are bubbles, silver and bright, flashing up from the depths far below. It's just an entirely different place underwater. The light fades and the sub's lamps come on. Bright yellow beams piercing deep into the dark. For several minutes more, you see nothing, and then a colossal shadow emerges from the gloom. The crown of this other nearby volcano, its skin heaving with hosts of crabs and anemones. And Tali dials back on the engines and leaves you drifting in the gloom, and she says, this place is incredibly unstable, and the entrances are always changing. What can you guys see? Uh, perception? Check. Yes, please. Natural 20. Total 25. Dirty 20. 29. 17. I got, um, 6. People who rolled well, uh, you're able to make out, directly ahead of you, a series of... They, like, for a second, they look almost like just shadows because some of the flanks of this mountain are like eroded and concave. And for a second, it looks like it's just shadow. But the ones who rolled well, you're able to see that three points in those shadow are actual caves that seem to descend away into darkness as larval tubes, presumably back in the past. With that nat 20, Corel. You can make out that those tubes presumably branch into a warren of tangled pathways beyond. So it's like you found the entrance, but it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more careful looking to make sure you don't get lost is what I'll say. So the main risk is the tunnel collapsing around us, yes? Can I use controlled water to make the water around us more dense? So that if... Like it will obviously increase the pressure around the submarine, but it will mean that pressure outwards to stop the tunnel collapsing will be greater. I will say that you can't compress the water because it's very difficult difficult to compress liquids. Mm. But I will say that you can use the water to give yourself. You can use the water to if a debris if a piece of debris lands on you. I'll use it to give you advantage when making evasive maneuvers. Okay, so I think that's I'll... a fair trade. Um, and then I look at Faraday and I'm like, swap out depending on how long it takes. Sounds like a plan. And Lorelei stands up and stands sort of right next to Tartley because it's where she can see best. Yes. I think you're both very aware of each other. Onwards and downwards then. And Tartley pushes the submarine on 
she enters one of the tubes and then follows it as it immediately um, goes directly downwards, tipping the submarine forwards until you're all your lap restraints are cutting into you. Corel, you're having to like brace yourself heavily on the glass to afford, avoid being like smushed against it as the submarine goes directly downwards. You travel for about five minutes and then suddenly the tunnel is joined by others. You can see other little tributaries of lava tubes joining this one, thickening it, until finally that thick central tube splits again. One going left and one going right, both downwards. And Tali stops again. And this time, as she dials back the engines, you can hear distant groaning and crumbling noises coming from beneath you. There's currents as well pushing up, jostling the submarine in place. Can I do a hear like a hearing-based perception check to check which way sounds more stable? Uh, yes. Um, 22. I think you hear two different sounds from each of the tunnels. The one that goes, the one that branches to the left of you, you can hear more of a cracking, groaning, crumbling sound. And to the right is like an intermediate gushing. I describe these things to Tali and I'm I'm like, you know more about this than I do. Please, I'm hardly an expert with underwater volcanoes. Anyone? up a random piece of knowledge that's lodged itself in your circuitry. <laughs> Tali raises an eyebrow and goes, does that happen often? Surprisingly? Surprisingly, yes. Sure, why not? What do I have to roll for there? Survival. Cool, my survival's not good. F- 15? Surprisingly good. <laughs> God damn it! Okay. Uh, with a 15, Shlup, I think you listen to that gushing, that intermediate gushing noise, and a flash of inspiration takes you <laughs> As you realize, that sounds kind of like a geyser. That sounds kind of like a geyser. <sighs> Human geysers or crumbly, 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 crumbly bad rocks. Crumbly, crumbly bar- bad rocks sound like they're less likely to forcibly push us into the side of something where we don't want to be going. But um, I open this to the group. I think crumbly, crumbly bad rocks, they might damage the ship slightly, but they're less likely to just yeet us into the side of a wall and smash us. Easier to dodge rocks than the water itself. Yeah, we're kind of surrounded by water. We're not sur- we're less surrounded by rocks. Tali looks at you, Schlepp, and then very pointedly looks around at the entire volcano surrounding you. I said less surrounded by rocks. We're still quite surrounded by rocks, but there's more water She accelerates rocks. the submarine, cutting you off. <laughs> yeah, I'd stop talking. <laughs> and heads down the rocky path. You descend, I'm gonna say, probably for an hour. That's a lot of spell slots. That's a lot of spell slots. Um, I mean, you could just wait and then react if something happens. Yeah, I'll wait and then react if something happens. An hour later, something happens. (gasps) You're still descending. I think you've not settled into your sea legs, Corel. You still feel wretched. It doesn't help that because you've been descending vertically this whole time, face first. You're all like you're all thoroughly feeling very squeezed by your lap belts. Corel, I imagine your arms are quite numb from holding yourself from being smushed against the glass. Even Tali's looking tired. And as a plink of sweat drips from her nose and drops against the glass, 
there is a tremendous crashing noise like the world is breaking around you and then suddenly the sides of the lava tube are cracking and Tali yells and accelerates the submarine as several large chunks of rock slide free from the walls and descend towards you. Can I just cast control water and make us go faster? Yes, we can do that. You will lurch in place. Corel, you slide. I feel, Corel, can you make a dexterity saving throw? Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Okay, not too bad. Uh, 26. With a 26, I think you can see your future flashing before your eyes. A future in which your hard, sharp body smashes the glass dome fully. Then you manage to catch yourself, probably like grabbing other people's lap restraints and like half strangling them. Ah! Sorry! <laughs> the whole submarine spins in like a corkscrew. But with Lorelei's magic, you're able to outspeed the rocks as they kind of clang and become lodged behind you. And Tali slows down again and then says, I guess we're not coming back this way. Well, here's to no more rock falls. Yay. And as she says that, there's a hissing noise from somewhere ahead of you and you see white water. Since I still have my control water up, can I just stop the geyser for long enough? Because it's been less than 10 minutes. Can I just stop the geyser? Is there like a cubic limit? Uh, it's not a cubic limit. It's a radius of 300 feet. That's quite a lot of water. Yes. Okay, yeah, no. You <sighs> part the underwater sea and hold back that geyser at like long enough for the, for the submarine to speed by. As you guys head past, this, past the geyser, you can see it like bubbling in an unnatural cone just feet away from, from the ship as it goes by. And then you sink further into the dark and you release the geyser and it makes a huge whooshing noise. And the water that comes with that whoosh like shoves the submarine downwards. And Tali's going to make another piloting check. She didn't do very well that time. So she makes she tries to wrestle with the submarine to prevent it from getting like sloshed around by that geyser, but doesn't quite manage to. So the submarine is going to impact on the wall of the tube as you descend. And it takes 10 points of bludgeoning damage. I think there are several long scratches over the glass of the dome, but the submarine, like it makes a couple weird noises for a few seconds, but then continues on, seemingly relatively unaffected. I can tell you, as the DM, the submarine has 120 hit points. Lorelei just sort of looks back at Faraday and is like, cocks her head, like, do you think you'd be able to do what you do for the KJ2 here, or is it just a KJ2 thing because it's KJ? So because the damage is mainly to the outside of the ship, and Faraday probably doesn't have the tools for it, I think there's not much she can do right now. But if it starts um, impacting like the controls and stuff, then I can have a go. Have you ever wanted a podcast that tackles the hard questions? Like, why do wizards wear those pointy hats? Is it morally okay to burn your name into a table? Is there a difference between dead and never waking up? Well, if you've ever wanted to know the answers to any of these questions, then I have a podcast for you. We are Goblets and Gaze, a bi-weekly Pathfinder 2E podcast. Join our cast of an angsty barbarian, a pyromaniac goblin, a girl whose family loved astrology a little too much a cultist, and a hot topic reject as they journey to a lost city and try to keep a twink alive. Follow us all on your social media at Goblets and Gaze, join our Discord as well, and we hope to see you out there. Goodbye!
you continue down uh, probably for another 15 minutes and then you come across a blockage now the interesting thing about this blockage is that the tunnel the tube is like at its widest it's widened out like almost like the end of a trumpet which implies that you're near the exit what do you do are there any weapons on the submarine it has a harpoon and it has a hard suit at the back the harpoon is like attached to a winch so there is that potential uh the hard suit as well is humanoid shaped um so like a human would have to go in it but that has got hands i suggest maybe we start with the harpoon um corral you might be best suited to this right yeah. <sighs> Krell awkwardly moves themselves into position. So presumably Tali like maneuvers the sub down to within range. The harpoon has a range of 150 and it has a plus four to hit. 15. That's a pretty good roll. So I think you managed to shoot off the, the harpoon and embed it in a large flat piece of stone, which is stuck at an angle. And um, you go to like reel in the harpoon, but the submarine can't quite seem to lift it on its own. It's like straining and making like a grinding noise as Tali like tries to reverse the engines. So I think you've you've hit a good area, but you just need a little bit extra strength. I have a spell called Create or Destroy Water. If I were to use it at level one, it gets rid of ten gallons of water, which, to be fair, not a huge amount of water. But if I were to get rid of it right next to the rock so that it was air for a moment and therefore had less do you think that for that split second if we were to rev and Corel were to winch all at the same time that would be just enough to get it to move i think that might be just enough does anyone else have anything at all or i mean could crit get in the hard suit the suit has a lot less hit points this is and... true but if you descend in water it's not like you can take full damage this is You'd true. just be sinking. It would be dangerous for you, but if you're willing to take that risk, Crick, then... Let's do it. Would anyone benefit from a bardic? Probably Crick. Yes, please. Right, put my hand on Crick's shoulder, be like, don't die. Thank you, I won't. <laughs> Tali calls back from the dome saying, very moving. We have had some times recently. Tali looks like she's going to say something, Laurelay, but then she just very quietly goes, Boo-hoo. You know, I'll do my best to avoid, you know, scraping my shoes on the roof of this uh, this lovely ship here. But, you know. Tali fully looks at you, Laurelay, and says, If he drowns, or is in danger of it, do I have to help him? Yes. I wouldn't actually do it. I would have done three years ago, but not now. Just get out of my submarine. And Crick, you kind of wiggle into the hard suit, close up the back, and launch off. You descend away from the back of the submarine and then land on the rubble pile. It's actually funny, Crick, because the the suit is slow, but you feel strong as hell. Let's do this. Right, so I've reached the bottom? Yes. I guess I'll brace my hands underneath it, ready for their signal. Tali flashes the lights twice and then revs the engine. I rolled a 16 in total. Uh, with a 16 and all of those factors working together, I think, Crick, you feel and hear a tremendous like slip in the stone beneath your feet. And then several things happen in quick succession. All of those small stones and pebbles drain away and drop out from under Crick's feet. That giant rock lifts 
and the submarine kind of jolts upwards and then that rock as those small stones drop away begins to fall pulling the submarine after it crick you also start to fall still holding onto the rock this is like a slow motion fall because you're underwater you're just kind of descending down into what you can now see is an enormous enormous underwater cavern so vast that you can't really quite make out the walls Uh, i let go of the rock now you are descending freely oh I'll, I'll, i'll grab it again can we harpoon the rock and like winch the rock in? It's um, already harpooned. You already showed that you can't quite lift it with the submarine. Is there any way to detach the rock from the harpoon and just reel crick in? That would probably be up to the captain. DM, I guess that would be a strength check. Yeah, to try and rip it out and hang on to the harpoon. Not using this dice. 14. Okay, I think with a 14, I think this is not as hard. This rock is heavy and does not want to be on the harpoon. I think, Crick, you're able to wrench the harpoon free, and because the submarine was trying to reel it in, it's going to shoot upwards. Could you make a dexterity saving throw? Sure. No, it didn't help. (laughs) The submarine harpoon reels back in. Below you, Crick is currently surfing a giant rock into the abyss. Wait, so I didn't grab it? No, it went too fast. So you're oh, you're on no. you're standing on the rock as it descends, basically. Um Dying, guys. If you could speed up and collect him, that would be much appreciated. Well, if I have to, I suppose the sight would be pretty sad. We would all be sad. I was fucking joking. Come on. And she accelerates the submarine and makes a piloting check. She rolled a thirteen. Um, so <laughs> she pushes the submarine. I don't think she quite manages to like get ahead or anything. I think she manages to pull maybe 10 feet above Crick, just about keeping pace. Um, and she's like, I don't, it's not like I can stick my hand out and grab him. Can I try making another dexterity? Uh, yeah. Acrobatics? You, like push off of the rock yeah. and grab onto the bottom of the sub. Yeah, maybe I can a- an acrobatics check to try and grab one of the sub's lan- light lamps. Yes. That's a five again. Crick continues his descent. Oh my god. As you chase Crick down through this huge cavern, something begins to appear in the gloom beneath you. <laughs> no! <laughs> I think you have a friction of fear because you see spines and thorny shapes, but then those resolve into the spires and turrets of a huge building, a elaborate, ornate namazir style building with fantastical coral arches and lurid paints and bright glassy windows through which you can see fanciful pools and treatment areas and chandeliers crick your big rock lands on top of a huge dome in the center of this complex and then it begins to tip the dome has a spire You could choose to surf your rock down into this building somewhere, or you could grab the spire. The choice is up to you. I mean, it's it's up to the dice, and they're not being very kind to me. Plus three, sixteen. With a sixteen, Crick, your rock plinks onto the roof of this onto this dome, and then starts to tip and slide away from you. You grab the spire of the dome, and the rock drops away, leaving you standing on top of this huge palace underwater as sub- Charlie brings the submarine sharply up beside you and then turns it around so that you can climb back aboard. Shlove gives Crick a hug. <laughs> See, I told you it'd be fine. Tali says, when you're done being mushy, we've arrived. And she pushes the submarine away from the dome and down in through a dock area 
uh, protected by a force field and you re-enter open air in this grand lobby which is completely abandoned and as she surfaces she says welcome to Jikinir geothermal resort and somewhere below you something roars this entryway this hallway with its beautiful reception rooms and quiet piano music tinkling in the distance is completely empty what do you do can i look around for complimentary items i mean have you one point number one do you exit the submarine yes you disembark the submarine um and you you want to look for what judy wants stuff I'm going to get at the potato banana shirt, but maybe some nice spa stuff, like some soaps or some towels or something. <laughs> that would be, that be perception. 17. You see on a set of nearby tables, some folded towels, a gigantic Namazir forearm dressing gown with silk and embroidered letters on it. It's a monogram dressing gown amazing and a set of supersized facial treatments like <laughs> like pouches the size of shopping carrier bags presumably for namazir i take i take all of them <laughs> can we put them in the, can i put them in the sub <laughs> you put them in the sub i guess tali just watching you the whole time like what the fuck are they doing i promised gifts uh i hope you should totally get that dressing gown because junie and i can put it on at the same time and try and stick like four arms. Four arms. Yeah, four arms. I love it. Please put it in the sub. Yeah, it looks it great. In... Does Tali react at all to the when Faraday says Junie? I feel like Laura, you're looking at Tali like, oh, oh. Tali just looks at you and then looks at you again and just goes, "What was I supposed to be surprised?" No, but I. Was... You think I don't know what's happening with the heiress to the Lady Zenith? Ah, this is fair. Do you know? I provide the Lady Zenith's tip leaf. And then I just turn around and walk off. <laughs> she stares after you and then just breathes out for a long time while pinching her fingers together. Corel's been looking around through all this. Uh, can you roll me a perception check? Natural 20. You find, I feel like you find the signs that this place was abandoned in a hurry. There are things still left out. There are chairs not tucked in. There's like a terrifyingly moldy cup of coffee. Like the music's still left on. The lights are still on. This whole place was abandoned very fast. I think with a nat 20, you also find... You also find the signs of a skirmish of some kind. And behind the reception desk, underneath the desk on, on the inside of it, you find a symbol. Oh. Spray painted on the underside of the reception desk is a bright green fish. Do I, Would I know what that means anyway, or do I need to roll for it? Roll for it? Roll me history. Uh, 21. You have seen that marking before on Zarel, uh, the Namazir homeworld. You, I think, probably would have caught it when you were exploring the underworld at the end of your last adventure. And I think with Tali's earlier comments... And that personal knowledge. I think you can probably guess that this is the symbol of the Sholas, the gang she warned you about. Oh, God. I call over to Tali. So those Sholas you were talking about. Yes? Did your intelligence suggest that they'd been snooping around here specifically? It doesn't surprise me. All right, because they definitely have. Maybe they wanted to find out what the noises were too. And then she says under her breath, hopefully it ate them. 
Yes. As all of this is happening, uh, Lorelei is going to go through all of like the face masks and like the natural stuff around, and over the space of eleven minutes, because it can be ritual cast, so I don't have to use a fifth level spell slot. I'm going to cast Commune with Nature. This means uh, you briefly become one with nature and gain knowledge of the surrounding territory. In caves and other natural underground settings, the radius is 300 feet. Are you doing this with the natural, like, mineral mud masks and stuff? That's fucking amazing! <laughs> yeah. That's I'm like, great. She, she couldn't bring all of her stuff with her because they were in the submarine. So basically anywhere within 300 feet so around 100 meters radius of what well, i'm i'm presuming this is the ground floor of the building uh no it's actually upstairs so from where we saw the building would 100 because 100 meters is a reasonable way yeah it would, would extend below yeah yeah because i don't yeah the, the way this building yet. works is they've got kind of like the reception area and because it was like a geothermal resort it's like as you go lower you get into the actual like pools and mm. stuff the spell doesn't function where nature has been replaced by construction we'll have to wait until we're downstairs i start collecting ingredients so i'm just squirreling all the mud masks and like the kelp and shit tali's just watching you Lorelei, are you doing a self? Are you gonna be doing a self care day after this? Um, no, I've got a spell to do, but I need to do it once we're down there. And you'll need mud masks. I need natural ingredients, and this is the closest we have. Well, you could also do a self care day afterwards. I think we we do all need one. Tali raises an eyebrow, slurp, and then says, "I'm quite surprised you haven't been here before to take a self care day." Selling my horns must have made you enough money to be a patron here. Look, I'm not going to justify doing that. Like, you were kind of a jerk to us, but it was shitty to basically sell part of your body. I know there's none of going to be enough to apologize for that, but I'll offer what I can. I don't want an apology. I just want to hold it over them. She looks at you, Lorelei, and just says, I just wanted to be angry. There's a lot less lording involved in being what I am than I imagine you think there is, Lorelei. And she walks away. I don't follow Tali, but I do go up to the reception desk to find a map. Did I find the symbol on the, on the reception desk? Was that where it was? Yes, you did. So Lorelei joins you at the reception desk, Corral. Okay. And Lorelei, you f pick out a couple of maps. There's like a whole bunch of them. And they show you that this is indeed like the entryway dome and below you are all like the different treatment rooms like a mud spa, a steam spa, a cold and hot place to go with pools and then like a whole area just called slime. Lorelei <laughs> oh. just looks at it with the utmost concern. <laughs> you know, slime. Everyone knows about the slime rooms. And then she thinks like... Namazir are, like, vaguely slimy at times. So I guess that would be quite replenishing. And she's just sort of sat there, like, nodding to herself. Stood next to Corel. As, as you're nodding, Corel just sort of stage whispers, like, all in all, I think you're managing quite well. Thank you. It's, um, it's something. I don't know what that something is, but it's definitely something. But... Thank you. Um, look at this map. A, look at the whole slime area. That's 
baffling. We'll cover that later when we're not in imminent danger. But um, I think the closest staircase is just over there. Well, we should go have a look, shouldn't we? Okay, do you gesture for everyone else to follow or do you head off? Um, I look over at everyone and I'm like, uh, hello, everybody. Um, stairs. Down. Do we all have, like, portable lights? Because I'm presuming we're going to have to eventually exit. Let me look in my big bag of tricks. I think we all um, have, like, torches and stuff. I have two torches. Who I've got one? a torch. I think I've got, like, a torch attached to my uh, body. they waterproof? Tali sighs and then casts dancing lights. Well, she sure showed us. Onwards and downwards. Yeah, you head onwards and downwards, uh, followed by four ghostly little green lanterns that bob along after you in your wake. Um, you descend past like this initial... You, basically, you descend one staircase at a time past like the various pools, and each pool is getting like hotter and steamier as you descend until you get to the lowest floor, which is very, very full of steam, and the floor is like actively warm underneath you. And there's a pool in the centre of the room, and as you kind of reach this floor, that pool suddenly sloshes. And a second later, there's like a deafening bellow from below. You know how some places, because they're like, you look at us, we're so bougie and jazzy, have like bits of the natural rock stuck through? Is there anywhere where it's like the natural rock that Lorelei can set up the community with nature? I think there is like a, a big, tall, imposing naked rock pillar. Okay, I'm like, not used to doing this vertically. We'll give it a go. So she gets some of the like mud masks and stuff and basically does her 11 minute ritual. But instead of in like patterns on the floor, it's patterns all over this pillar. And then instead of a circle for her to sit in, it's just circles for her to put her hands. So when she's done, she puts her hands on the places on the pillar like as far apart as they will go and her markings flash and her you sort of have like a breeze and if Tali's close by she can smell that it like it smells like home and from where the mud mask has been put on like local like plant life starts to grow a little bit and I get to know the following Gain knowledge of up to three facts of your choice about any of the following subjects as they relate to the area. Terrain and bodies of water, prevalent plants, minerals, animals, or people, powerful celestials, fae, fiends, elementals, or undead, influence from other planes of, of existence and buildings. So what I'd like to know is in terms of terrain, I want to know how big the cavern or space this monster is in is. I want to confirm that it is of a celestial origin and I want to sort of get a feeling of how much the influence of the other plane of existence has in comparison to other things I've experienced previously. Okay, Lorelei, you lay out the components of this ritual and as you spend this eleven these 11 minutes going through it and slowly waking up your power, I think you sink deeper and deeper into this trance-like state where like your awareness of your friends slowly fades and you start to become more aware of the building around you and the stones it sat upon and the waters above and the waters below. As your senses extend beyond this room and down, you suddenly realize that beneath this grand spa is 
a terrifying abyss. A chamber that goes as deeply again as you have already descended. It's not an enormously wide passageway, it's narrower than the cavern this building currently sits in, and it snakes down into the dark and the cold, completely unlit, completely uninhabited by anything living but by something that isn't. There is an entity there, a boiling mass. It almost feels like a jar of flies, a sack of maggots. It's like you reach down into the dark and there is this horrible writhing, squirming thing screaming and tearing its way endlessly through the cavern below. And as it tears and as it screams, it leaves behind this anguish. And in those flashes of anguish, you can sense the same powers you've sensed before. On the terrible creatures you've faced already, you can feel traces of fire, traces of death and terrible woes. And for a split second, it's like there's a single clear drop of something cold and pure and as you feel that weird little sliver of something good in amongst all that horror you realize that that sliver of something good feels like schlurp what the fuck Hey, it's Paige Dolby Evans, your game master, host, and resident dog person. I just wanted to say that the Junket podcast wouldn't be possible without the talents of the lovely people behind the characters. That's my wife, Leonie, as Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis, Duncan as Corel, Elle as Captain Mitchell Crick, Shona as Schlurp, and Jess as Lorelei Widewanderer. Our show is powered by a modified version of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. To learn about the custom rulings, mechanics, and aliens that make our game possible, you can visit our website, thejunkitpodcast.com, or just ask us on Twitter at thejunkitpod. Lastly, if you're both willing and able, you can support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thejunkitpodcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.